Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Monday, the most important day of the week, and it is July 10th. That's right. It is 710 day, all you wooks out there. Today is National Clarahu Day, and that is a poem of four lines for all of you that don't know. It's also Global Energy Independence Day, so you know what I'm going to say, Matthew. Drill, baby, drill. And, of course... For, for for Gretchen, today is National Pina Colada Day. It's also Chronic Disease Day and International Town Criers Day. And if you don't know what a town crier is, I encourage you to Google it and check it out because it's the person in the center of a town square that's letting you know everything that's going on. And, of course, it's also National Kitten Day along with the dabbing holiday that all cannabis people know, which is called 710, July 10th. Oh, yes. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live at the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you are joining us in Twitter spaces, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But we're going to kick it off today with Gretchen Gailey. She's our feisty, red-headed conservative who loves to tell pot-loving libs all about themselves and send them home crying with their little blankies and wee-wee bags. Oh, yeah, not to mention that. She can also find her walking her dogs up and down Capitol Hill parading as mascots for some team that doesn't even play any sports. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. I don't even know what that means, Jason Beck. It's because you dress Uh, your dogs up in costumes, Gretchen. Get over it. All right. So my headline today is coming from, again, the front page of the Washington Post. I love when drugs make the front page of the Post. Um, And because I'm an old lady, I I get the Post every morning on my porch and pick it up. Uh, So I'm going to read directly from the paper. What the hell? Portugal grapples with drug decriminalization doubts. Addiction haunts the recesses of this ancient port city as people with gaunt, clumsy hands lift crack pipes to lips, syringes to veins. Authorities are sealing off Warren-like alleyways with iron bars and fencing in parks to halt the spread of encampments. A siege mentality is taking root in the nearby enclaves of pricey condos and multi-million euro homes. Portugal decriminalized all drug use, including marijuana, cocaine, and heroin, in an experiment that inspired similar efforts elsewhere. But now police are blaming a spike in the number of people who use drugs for a rise in crime. In one neighborhood, state-issued paraphernalia, powder blue syringe caps, packets of citric acid for diluting heroin, 
litter sidewalks outside an elementary school. And see, old school, you have to actually open the paper. And then it's a whole damn page. Here we go. All right. Porto's police have increased patrols to drug plague neighborhoods, but even but given existing laws, there's only so much they can do. On a recent afternoon, an, emaci- an emaciated man stri- in striped pants sleeping in front of a state-funded drug use center awoke to a patrol of four officers. He sat up then defiantly began assembling his crack pipe. Officers walked on, shaking their heads. Portugal became a model for progressive jurisdictions around the world embracing drug decriminalization, such as the state of Oregon. But now there is talk of fatigue. Police are less motivated to register people who misuse drugs, and there are year-long waits for state-funded rehabilitation rehabilitation treatment, even as the number of people seeking help has fallen dramatically. The return in force of visible urban drug use, meanwhile, is leading the mayor and others here to ask an explosive question. Is it time to reconsider this country's globally hailed drug model? These days in Portugal, it is forbidden to smoke tobacco outside of a school or a hospital. It is forbidden to advertise ice cream and sugar candies, and yet it is allowed for people to be there injecting drugs. We've normalized it. This is according to the mayor, Rui Moriera. Uh, Cocaine production is at global high. Seizure of amphetamine and metamphetamine have exploded. Multi-year pandemic deepened personal burdens and fermented an increasing use. In the United States alone, overdose deaths fueled by opioids and deadly synthetic fentanyl topped 100,000 in both 2021 and 2022, or double what it was in 2015, according to the National Institute of Health. 85% of U.S. prison population has an active substance use disorder or was jailed for a crime involving drugs or drug use. Across the Atlantic in Europe, tiny Portugal appeared to harbor an answer. In 2001, it threw out years of punishment-driven policies in favor of harm reduction by decriminalizing consumption of all drugs for personal use, including the purchase and possession of 10-day supplies. Consumption remains technically against the law, but instead of jail, people who misuse drugs are registered by police and referred to dissuasion commissions. For the most troubled people, authorities can impose sanctions, including fines and recommend treatment. The decision to attend is voluntary. Other countries have moved to channel drug offenses out of the penal system too, but none in Europe institutionalized that route more than Portugal. Within a few years, HIV transmission rates via syringes One of the biggest arguments for decriminalization has plummeted. From 2000 to 2008, prison populations fell by 16.5%. Overdose rates dropped as public funds flowed from jails to rehabilitation. There was no evidence of a feared surge in use. None of the parade of horrors that decriminalization opponents in Portugal predicted and that decriminalization opponents around the world typically invoke has come to pass, according to a landmark Cato report from 2009. But in the first substantial way since decriminalization passed, some Portuguese voices are now calling for a rethink of a policy that was a long, proud point of national consensus. Urban visibility of the drug problem, police say, is at its worst point in decades, and the state-funded non-governmental organizations that have largely taken over responding to the people with addiction seems less concerned with treatment than affirming the lifetime drug use should be seen as a human right. Yada, yada, yada. A newly released national survey suggests that percent of adults who have used illicit drugs increased to 12.8% in 2022, up from 7.8% in 2001, though still below European averages. Portugal's prevalence of high-risk opioid use is higher than Germany's, but lower than that of France or Italy. But even proponents of decriminalization here admit that something is going wrong. 
Overdose rates have hit a 12-year high and almost doubled in Lisbon from 2019 to 2023. Sewage samples in Lisbon show cocaine and ketamine detection is now among the highest in Europe, with elevated weekend rates uh, suggesting party-heavy usage. In Porto, the collection of drug-related debris from city streets surged 24% from 2021 and 2022, with this year on track to far outpace the last. Crime, including robbery in public places, spiked 14% from 2021 to 2022, a rise police blame partly on increased drug use. Yada, yada, yada. You can keep reading this if you like. It goes on for quite a ways. Um, basically, just talking about all the problems that this policy is now, that they are now seeing. And there was one quote, where was this guy, that I found particularly interesting. Um, oh, here it is. When you first back off enforcement, there are not many people walking over the line that you've removed, and the public thinks it's working really well, according to Keith Humphreys, former senior drug policy advisor for the Obama administration and a professor of psychiatry at Stanford University. Then word gets out that there's an open market, limits to penalties, and you start drowning in more drug users, then you've got a stable drug culture, and frankly, it doesn't look good anymore. Uh, so according to these folks, uh, 20 years after decriminalization, Portugal's going to hell in a handbasket, um, and they're starting to rethink their policy. Uh, do you think that Portugal should uh, be the crowd that we're looking to for answers? I know so many are. Uh, this is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I mean, I have just a couple questions. First of all, sure. Gretchen, what is meta amphetamine? Or maybe this should be for you, Chris. Oh, well, let me double check. What I think it was it? Oh, misread sorry. or no, mistyped meth. Methamphetamine. Yeah. Oh, methamphetamine. Okay. All right. All right. Just My wanted bad. to make sure. I didn't know if like if like Facebook came out with some new drug or something. All of a sudden. <laughs> it probably would. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I know I they. I think the interesting thing, and Chris Eggers, I'm sure you can speak to this. Um, it talks a lot about how the police just don't care anymore. Because uh, that's the main way that this thing is supposed to work. Like, you're not supposed to be doing public consumption and stuff, and police are supposed to ticket you and refer you to these rehab centers but the police are like doesn't matter no one cares not working so the police don't care anymore there's a the police are therapists no i right. get it but they're, supposed they're to not trained they're not tra using a syringe oh, that's the, how the police aren't therapists are not to jail right but they're not therapists they're not trained as therapists and i could see them being like it's the use and the biggest thing is decriminalization in and of itself isn't some silver bullet or some magical sweep of the pen that's going to solve everything there, there's a there's a lot of stuff going on behind this so number one inflation that portugal's having the same rent type crisis that california's having rents are up like a thousand percent people are homeless everywhere inflation is at record high in portugal it's one of the poorest countries in all of europe and and one of the biggest things about all of the drug addicts and drug and homeless you see in, in america just like in europe is like real easy sign that the system isn't working majority of these people have been traumatized in childhood, either violently or sexually. And you add on top of that people who just can't afford to live inside because the pay scale doesn't add up to what you need for rent and food. So a lot of these people are seeking escape. And decriminalization, as you can see, uh, HIV deaths went down from under 20 from 1,000 plus a year. Overdoses down by a factor of 1,000. All of these things, even with this minor spike in the last couple of years in Portugal, are still well below the majority of Europe, well below Portugal's pre-decriminalization rates. We we really have to look to to is it's not just about making drugs legal; it's about getting these people real help. And and when we have these, when you when you have hundreds of thousands of people homeless on the streets, it's time for us all to begin these conversations about the system that we have 
is not working and it's not serving anyone but the one to 10% at the very top until that is addressed. None of these little band-aids are going to provide us any relief. Um, Gretchen. Yes. Gretchen, you also mentioned in there, and I, I heard you say something about uh, a whore's parade in Portugal. Can you, can you elaborate on that? I think you're, I think you're hearing things, Jason. Back. Well, that's why I'm asking for clarity. That's why I'm asking for I clarity. I didn't say anything about a whore parade. I thought you did. Um, uh, well, I, clearly you got something else on your mind this morning. No, no, no. That's just, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Okay. I even throw in the chat. Well, uh, all right. Tell Adam to check your uh, your audio levels there. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so another another position here that or point that I did not get to. They keep referring back to Oregon because clearly Oregon has taken the same position um, in c certain cases, and they're suggesting that currently uh, overdoses in Portland have surged forty six percent this year. Mm -hmm. That's not good. The big reason for overdoses surging is is fentanyl and and how dangerous fentanyl is to dose, and the fact that fentanyl is being added as an admixture to uh, uh, counterfeit prescription drugs, which is a huge market, as well as cocaine. Um, another so would person... Make, would you I'm make just, the argument that Matthew St. Germain to decriminalize some drugs, not all drugs? Because clearly some no, drugs I would, really are bad. I would make the argument to decriminalize all drugs because at least then we have a chance of having drugs that are what they are purported to and supposed to be, and we can actually begin tackling the societal ills. Again, real problem is capitalism i'm not a communist maybe straight out right and and i do believe in in some element of the of the free market the free market is about individual humans trading goods and services for the benefit of the community capitalism is about accruing wealth in as few hands as possible so that there can be a ruling oligarchy over all of us and there can be a few billionaires and everybody else gets a slave yoke it's back to work and we can see drastically that it's not working. And a lot of these conversations that we have, while there the nexus seems to be drugs and drug use, you begin to look into them. What you actually see is institutionalized white supremacy, Emily dysfunction because of poverty and institutionalized white supremacy and lack of of opportunity and education, and that creating a a, a class of people that are just near zombie pariahs nobody wishes to help that are thrust out onto the streets that turn to drugs because of the direness of their life situation and we can have legal or illegal drugs and illegal drugs are going to cause more negative fallout than legal drugs but legal drugs are not the solution the solution is all of us going up taking a deep breath looking around and admitting that even if we have been able to wiggle some slack out of this system it's not working for the majority of human beings on this planet, and it needs to change. So what's your solution there, Matthew St. Germain? Uh, stop treating uh, housing as an investment opportunity. Start realizing that all human beings need a house to live inside, uh -huh. food and education to human beings. Train people to be more efficable because people actually want to help tra get trauma services. Dial down the for-profit prisons. Dial down the, um, the amount of CHP and state police officers we have. Use that money to begin treating people who are victims of childhood <laughs> sexual trauma and childhood violent trauma. Again, just I, I hear you. all but, of us coming but, to the table with, with the realization that the, the situation's not working for everybody. And we're either going to get to a, pe a point where people are just being eaten in the streets or, or we're going to fix it. And if, if you look around like 
Remember growing up, were there people just walking into Walgreens and everywhere and just stealing ten thousand dollars worth of merchandise? Were people That's going, going in twenty on. and thirty deep and and looting Lululemon and these That's different stores? Happening. They weren't. That's still happening. Weren't. I I hear you. I, I know it's happening now, Jason. That's what I'm saying. Is like that shit. There wasn't just wholesale rioting and looting and wholesale thievery gangs just operating at the level that they are now. There wasn't the amount of homelessness. All of this stuff has continued to accelerate since the Reagan years, as we. As we all, not myself, but as so many people just worship trickle-down economics and the thought that if we give all the money away to billionaires, somehow the crumbs that fall off their table are going to reach all of us, and, and next week we're all going to be millionaires, so let's not change any of the laws because I'm just about to be rich. Okay, okay, hold on here. So yeah. I just want to take this discussion back to Portugal. So things that you're suggesting, like housing, like rehab, all this type of stuff, is available to their folks, and things are voluntary. And the pro and that's what they're suggesting in this article is people aren't taking advantage. People don't want it. They're not using it. They're just saying, screw it. I'm still going to do crack on, you know, my kids' elementary school steps. Um, I, so I understand. giving people the options is not working either. If we look, we've, we have, we have a, a multi-thousand-year system that has been destroying the soul of humanity, and I don't think it's going to get better in a decade. I think it's going to take quite a while. So you would let this system continue on? Just Number one thing I would do is I would yeah. start doing, I would I would change the laws I'm that talking about Portugal, Portugal. Yeah, we're talking about yeah, Portugal. Talking, yeah, yeah, okay. talking about Portugal. I would just change the laws to make it so that people, if they were not able to care for themselves, they would have to actually be remanded to a facility where they were helped and taken off the streets. Well, and that's so, what if the cops so, are supposed to do, but the cops are saying that f it, it doesn't yeah. work. The cops don't have that power. They only have the power to ticket people. They do have. They have the power to send these people in front of these commissions. But it's voluntary for the people to show how, up for the commission. Yeah, how, how are you going to get these exactly, people to show the, up when they're when they're just problem high is that on it's voluntary. drugs? They're not. They're not going to show there, up for a commission when you're getting high on heroin. Chris, what do you think from a former police officer's standpoint? There was a so there's a big trend. Correct. There's a big trend happening that's been happening within law enforcement that people don't like to talk about or won't talk about, and that's like uh, the the fireman mentality, as they call it. I'm going to sit inside the station and just go out to a call when I'm dispatched and put my blinders on because, you know, the thought process with a lot of cops, I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'm telling you what the, the industry um, thinks and, and not everybody, but uh, it's a growing trend that, hey, I'm just going to put my blinders on and answer my call for service and come back to the station because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, nothing happens anyway. Um, they're not forced to show up to court, et cetera, et cetera, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of rules. Um, but there was this push for a long time, and it was called LEADS, L-E-E-D-S. It was grant money that came into San Francisco and other cities. And there was this huge push, like huge push from the top that ticket people using drugs, ticket, ticket them. And then what you would do is you, as you give them the citation, you would call this like community ambassador from LEADS and they would come out and like talk to the person and offer them, um, you know, rehab or various other services. And the thought process was, uh, I don't think it's in effect anymore, but, and I don't really, I didn't see it working myself on the micro, but um, they thought was that hey, if, if somebody accepts services, then the ticket kind of goes away. But in San Francisco, the ticket went away anyway. Um, so it, that was a program called Leads. I found it to be really interesting. And I don't think it's involved anymore, but it, it was a ton of, I mean, millions of dollars of grant grant money. I know they sent SFPD cops up to like Seattle or mm -hmm. Portland or wherever it was based. I remember that. Heard about this program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another, 
another sort of trend that I've constantly seen in law enforcement is like flavor of the week. Right. And I say that that doesn't do it justice because these are like actual real problems. But like, you know, that's sort of the thought process and, and mentality that there's like, hey, you know, within law enforcement, there's just no consistency. You're told one thing, hey, focus on this issue right here. And then you're not told that anymore. And then it's like, hey, focus on this issue over here. And and then it just kind of like, I have no idea where Leeds is today. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I can tell you they're not in the lead. I can tell you that much, Chris. But we're well, gonna... I, do, I do. I know I just told you we should move on in the back channel, Jason. But one last question. So pretend Portugal says, all right, this isn't working and changes. Do you think that's going to really set back other countries legalization efforts? Wait, can you can it you may say well, can it you may well. That? But I, I think another thing that we need to really look at is what's the difference between legalization and not right? Like legalization is keeping these folks out of the criminal industrial uh, complex rather see these people going to a hospital than going to jail and dealing with the gangs and the violence and sexual assault and all of the things that happen are current in our current penal system. I, I think that for one thing, it just keeps going back to the same thing over and over is that the system itself is not working. It's not functioning. And anyone who goes outside and lives in a city, see that. And if you think that's, if you think it's working the way it's supposed to, I mean, we, I don't even know how to finish that, that sentence. Hey, so what do you think in Washington? Do you think, See a rise in homeless in in Washington, Gretchen? Oh yeah, um, like it is no, out here. I wouldn't say uh, there's a major rise in here. I mean, the homeless population seems to be what it's always been. We we did not have major tent cities and that type of things like you saw when they did Occupy Wall Street and all that. I mean, that stuff moved along. But like in my experience, when I went last time I was in Portland, which has been a couple of years, there was a great homeless population there. There was a ton of people there. Um. You don't see that around D.C. I mean, yes, there is homeless, of course, but no, I have not seen that. Hey, there's a, a great a gentleman named Joao in the chat who actually lives in Portugal and has given some great information. What's he saying? I'm, I'm not monitoring. Uh, but, uh, first off, he was saying that the cops are, are, in fact, ticketing. The majority of cops are ticketing and, and addressing it and that uh, they're they were supposed to have a, uh, a lot of safe usage centers, which they're about 20 years behind on the opening of the safe, safe usage centers, and that he's saying, in his uh, opinion, Portugal is never going to go back on uh, decriminalization. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't see them necessarily going back, but I am all for uh, f funding of mental homes to house these people in, because they definitely should not just be able to just run around on the streets like, like crazies. So in the 70s, Reagan shut down I, all of I the know. mental, Ill, mental was, health facilities for people who were mistake. not... He shut down all the mental health facilities for people who are not uh, like criminally insane mm -hmm. and and who were there voluntarily and or who had these type of problems. Moved all of that money to the CHP, the California BNE, which is the Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement, mm -hmm. and to prison building because Reagan yep. was a fascist. And after he did that and ruined California, really bankrupted our entire economy, somehow he was able to leverage that to winning the presidency and then he went and did it to all of america and all of these republicans still continue to worship ronald reagan who basically bankrupted our economy caused the home homelessness pro program pro problem uh preached just say no while he was slinging cocaine to the inner cities because he hates black people and and those fruits of the reagan administration are where we are today Whew, that was oh, some spice man. Oh, man, oh man oh man oh man monday everybody man. Yeah, that's right. Matthew St. Germain is back with us, guys, and we're going to go over a commercial <laughs> real quick. We'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani, 
coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. All right, you guys. I have a pretty spicy, spicy story for you guys today. Are you guys ready for this? It deals. I'm ready. Yes, it deals with Virginia. That's right. Virginia is for lovers, but not cannabis lovers, because Yunkin, Governor Yunkin, is not interested in legalizing marijuana sales in the state of Virginia. Governor Yunkin's administration gave its clearest indication yet that the governor has no plans to open up a retail adult use cannabis market during his term. Uh, what, what people are saying is that Governor Yunkin has stated that he is not interested in any further moves towards legalizing of adult-use cannabis. Joseph Guthrie, Yunkin's commissioner of the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Safety, said during a recent state meeting on cannabis per the Daily Progress. In another quote, he says, so I wouldn't expect that during his administration. And a little bit of context on this. In the past, remarks Yunkin has provided uh, taking a firm stance on the issue and has often responded to questions by saying it was up to lawmakers to send him legislation. And why all of this matters is because Virginia's marijuana laws are a mess after lawmakers legalized possession of the drug, but failed to reach an agreement on the legal marketplace for adult-use cannabis users. And uh, Guthrie's remarks could help explain why GOP leaders in the House of Delegates refused to bring up legislation on the subject of hearings over the past two years, even in cases when the bills were, were proposed by members of their own caucuses. Man, oh man, oh man, I know everyone in Virginia is going to be crying about this one and not going to be happy that they can, all they can do is pass around seeds and possess cannabis, but they just can't go to a store and go and buy it. What do you guys think? This is Jason for the High at Nine News Hour. What do you think? Virginia. Mm -hmm. So Virginia is not for lovers of cannabis. Is that, is that, is that the moral of the story, Gretchen? Well, this doesn't surprise me. And I believe you, Jason, back were saying when Yunkin was um, elected that he was a capitalist and he would be on board with it. I didn't. Well, you're misquoting me. He is a capitalist. He okay. is. A, he is a capitalist. Uh -huh. And I said I said that he does need to evolve on the issue. And I said that there are some great people on his team that are pro cannabis. And so I expect him to ultimately evolve on this issue. That is what I said. He needs to evolve faster. And also, <laughs> there also seems to be just a regular pattern in all sorts of elections. There's one who's for and one who's against because mm -hmm. you have to have the other part of the vote. That's right. Guaranteed. You got to have it in the bag. So this is just another one of those moments, I think. I, I do think Yunkin will evolve on the uh, the issue uh, when he sees how Maryland starts doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think if Mar Maryland's uh, adult use market really takes off, um, I think you're going to see a lot of angry Virginians. Because if you don't forget, the bulk of Maryland's, or I'm sorry, Virginia's population is the D.C. suburbs. Mm -hmm. um, so those people are going to see what's going on in Maryland. It's not going to be hidden from them. They're not going to want to drive to Maryland. It, trust me, these people don't even like coming to the city. They ain't going to like driving to uh, Maryland to get drugs. Mm -hmm. um, so not happening. Uh, they're going to bitch. And they're the people who are going to reelect this man if he wants to get reelected. So I think it'll come about. 
Oh, so you're saying so you're agreeing with me then, Gretchen? Is that Youngkin no, is going to evolve on the issue? You just did. You just did. You said he's going to evolve on the issue. No, That's exactly you, what you, you just said. Some bullshit. No, I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 no. I said to you that I'm a dad or fighting again. A long time ago, he was going to evolve, but apparently you were wrong there. Evolution takes time, Gretchen. Stop the cap. <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't. We'll see, but I think it's going to take a little while. But yeah, I think he, he's going to have to listen to the will of the voters. I think people are going to be pissed. You think he's going to have to listen to the will of the voters? And we got mm-hmm. oh shit! Look at that. We got Rico back from traffic court. What do you think about Rico. this, Rico? Rico Being from, from Virginia traffic. and all, you know, Governor Yunkin says uh, that some of from his administration says that he's not going to be doing anything with adult use cannabis under his administration. He ain't shit, man. Like Yunkin ain't shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Ain't That's... nothing gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same shit, different toilet. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No, All right. Together here. <laughs> All right. We're gonna we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna we're gonna move it on over to Chris Eggers, former law enforcement. Now he likes his blunt over a notepad. Along, he's also the founder of CCC Security Solutions and will help you make sure that your facility is safe against predatory robbers. That's right. It is none other than the Christopher Eggers. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Rico, welcome. Uh, we missed you this morning. Uh, my article today comes out of Union City. Is not great news, but I thought worth sharing. Headline reads, suspect sought an attempted robbery shooting at Union City Cannabis Dispensary. Um, the police in Union City have launched an attempted murder investigation and are searching for multiple suspects after an attempted robbery and shooting at a cannabis dispensary Friday morning. So at about 1.35, officers were called <clears throat> uh, to a dispensary on Courthouse Drive in Union uh, Landing Shopping Center after a panic button was activated. On-site security then told police that the suspects forced their way into the dispensary to steal property. But when the suspects were confronted by the security... Police said that the suspects uh, began shooting and struck the victim. The victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Um, The suspects fled the scene before the police could arrive, and additional details about the incidents were not immediately available at the time this article was written. Um, This dispensary, according to California Department of Cannabis Control, and this article has been licensed since June 2021. Um, I know somebody who works within the Union City Police Department, um, and I'm working to get some additional information uh, specifically around what transpired when the security guard confronted the uh, the robbers. Um, you know, this is just it's super unfortunate, obviously, and um, but I think important to note, you know, that um, this is a real reality today, and um, every facility has its own unique facts and circumstances. Um, specifically around security guards, there's a lot of misunderstanding about um the the product or the solution right and and how that factors into each uh unique facility so just wanted to share that this monday morning uh my name is chris eggers thanks for letting me contribute today oh man so there was there was a shooting can you tell us any more about this shooting so i was told that the security guard was shot in the arm um and unknown if the security guard was armed or unarmed or armed potentially with um with less lethal and mm-hmm. if it was used or not so wait to hear back but there might be 
additional details coming. Not not saying that there was anything wrong done by the security guard, but que- interesting to see, uh, you know, what details transpire. Question, because law enforcement hasn't really been that helpful in regards with, with any of these cases against criminals coming against cannabis businesses. Do you think that because these criminals shot the security guard in the arm that that is going to raise the level of enforcement that these law enforcement officers try to actually investigate this case to find out who actually did this? I think any crime against any uh, tax paying business should be treated uh, seriously by law enforcement. And we know that cannabis is uh, doesn't get that same love and they should. And it's and it's wrong. Um, it's unfortunate. But I think that maybe this is something that is going to be taken, you know, air quotes, air quotes more seriously. Um, but then, you know, there's a further discussion and, and you know, not for now, because it's a it's a long one, but about, you know, how to fortify a facility in a manner that doesn't put um, human life at risk and um, stakeholder professional and personal liability at risk as well. Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And I just think it's important to note, right, that like security guards don't deter crime. And this is this is a um, unfortunately a good example of that. You know, security guard was there. The, the bad thing still happened. Um, a lot of facilities are hiring overnight guards for the sole purpose of calling um, law enforcement, but there are um, better, more cost-effective ways utilizing technology to achieve that. Um, but, you know, the status quo Chris, exists. Can you today. explain why why they don't? Why you say security cards don't deter crime? Because they don't. They don't. I'm I mean, asking the, the expert, Jason Beck. I am an expert. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, people coming to... You know, Union City, here's one example, Livermore, the, the town I was born and raised in a suburb of the East Bay, you know, uh, these cities are are targeted, cannabis facilities are being targeted and offenders are coming with firearms. That's the answer. Um, that's that's fact. Um, and so, you know, it's not a it's not like a, a night burglar, you know, trying to creep through the back door anymore. It's, you know, coming deep with with guns. And so. You know, we need to have realistic conversations about what the security guard's role is and what the goal of a security guard is. And again, there's um, newer technology that, you know, we utilize to bring better security coverage with less liability that's more cost effective if the goal is to just get law enforcement there, um, you know, as quick as possible. So offenders are no longer scared of guards. I mean, they're just not. I I think it's a trend that we're going to unfortunately see continue to some degree. Um, Hold on. Do you think they ever were afraid of guards, Chris? Because I, I don't think that they are ever were. I don't think so. Um, I mean, no, you know, listen, and here's the, the broader conversation about guards is just like any other profession. Um, you know, there's entry level pay rates and expert pay rates. Right. Um, and so you get what you pay for now because of a lot of different factors. Cannabis facilities cannot afford um you know, a more expensive guard solution. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, in our experience and what we see out there at dispensaries, it's an entry-level guard position and that's fine, but it's important to set realistic expectations about what that guard is capable of doing uh, based on their own training and experience, Dang. just like any other profession. And I will add that COVID decimated the guard industry, which was already a difficult industry to staff. Uh, COVID has had a, a huge negative effect on that industry as well. Interesting. 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 Oh. Seeing no other comments, we're going to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. 
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh yeah, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Make sure you hit that like button. And make sure you check out all the articles at our website, www.hyatt9news, where you can read everything that we are talking about. And coming up next, that's right, she's a mom. She's an edibles judge for the Emerald Cup, along with someone who wants to show women how being a mom and an executive lifestyle can all go hand in hand. That's right. Coming up next, another than the Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Uh, today's article headline reads, Jackie Kennedy learned marijuana was growing on Cape Cod property and fought to keep it quiet. You guys may have heard that there's a new book regarding Miss Jackie Kennedy. And in this book, there is an allegation that the late Jackie Kennedy Onassis fought to nip it in the bud that there was a particular problem, quote unquote, in their Cape Cod garden. As in the book, White House by the Sea, by Kate Story, the former first lady learned that marijuana was growing in her garden, much to her horror. According to an excerpt obtained by Town and Country, it was around 1975 when Kennedy's assistant noticed some of the family members poking around in the garden, which piqued her interest. After realizing she had stumbled upon something nefarious, she told former police chief Jack Dempsey, frequented the property with the Secret Service. Neither her assistant, Kathy McKeon, nor Dempsey believed the gardeners were responsible, so they told Onassis about their discovery. Are you kidding me? She alleged, said to McKeon, who told her the news directly. Oh my God, this can't get out. How are we going to fix this? McKeon led her to Dempsey, and the former officer told Onassis, according to the book, to just ignore it, we'll pull it. The book said she was satisfied with this and felt good that the news wouldn't be getting out. Later that day, Dempsey and the Secret Service destroyed the plant. Neither of the Onassis children, Caroline and John, were suspected of planting the marijuana. A representative for her only living child, Caroline Kennedy, the U.S. ambassador to Australia, did not immediately respond to Fox News' digital request for comments, nor did the John F. Kennedy Foundation. You guys, there's been lots of allegations and speculation about the Kennedy, fa Kennedy family and their elusive, lightweight relationship with the cannabis plant. Around 1975, Caroline would have been around 20, and Junior would have been about 15. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about this magical plant just popping up in the Cape Cod Garden at the Kennedy home? Well, first of all, it was outdoors, so you know it wasn't any good. <laughs> Maybe that's why she had that uh, reaction. I'm blaming it on I'm picturing some garden with like a rotunda on it. <laughs> What's that, Gretchen? 
I said I'm blaming it on Ted. You're blaming it on Ted. I mean, the whole family had access, and there's 50 million Kennedys out there, so... There are. It's not like Jackie was the only one living there with her kids. They were all coming and going. Mm-hmm. It's very, very true. But who planted the beans? Mm. Who's we the, may never know. Who's the real Johnny Appleseed Kennedy? Who's the one who's the narc right now? What's his name? Who? Jason, you know who I'm talking about. The Kennedy narc. The Kennedy narc? Not Patrick. Which it was it Patrick? There's one who's like totally against cannabis right now, and I bet it was him. Oh, and I yeah. bet some girl broke his heart and took away his pot or something. It was probably this probably. incident. The <laughs> Secret Service took away his pot, and now he's against cannabis forever. I mean, well, in all no, fairness, no, no, no. His girlfriend happen. probably broke up with him for someone who used pot, and that's what he's really mad about. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Oh, probably. Oh, probably because <laughs> the other guy probably had better weed. Yeah. I, th- I do think you're all right. I think it yeah, is Patrick. It's, it's, it's Patrick Kennedy. Yeah. Patrick Kennedy's a part of Smart. He's a mm-hmm. part of that. Yep. Off. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that this was a really uh, fun little anecdotal article to share and wanted to get your guys' feedback on it. So thanks for humoring mm-hmm. me. I feel like this was just like a promotion for her to sell her sell more copies of the book that's coming out. And then just try to get the weed I mean, it, to buy it. It definitely piques people's interest, but it's such a small portion of the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Who wrote the book, Mandy? Um, her name was or is. Is she a Kennedy? She is not a Kennedy. Yeah, I doubt that. Uh let's see, where is uh, I'm gonna have to go back and re-scan it. Oh, Kate's story. C-O-R-E-Y. An author? What's her affiliation with the family? Anything? Nothing? Okay. Um, it doesn't say that at all. She just, uh, yeah, it doesn't disclose what her relationship was with them. I'm sure that's very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Kennedy Cush, now available at a dispensary near you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes. Adam, do we have one more commercial, Adam? Yeah, let's run it. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. Accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It is the immortal count himself. Been around for thousands and thousands of decades, but yet still only looks like he's in his young 40s. That's right. How does he do it? How does he do it? Oh, we don't know, but maybe maybe he's going to explain with his story because he has a pretty interesting story today. It is the Count of St. Germain, Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Jason, hi, everybody. Happy Monday. I've got a great story in that it really shows a lot about bridge building, talks about bridge building. Oh, the, the headline comes from the Washington Post, and it's AOC and Dan Crenshaw. Metals, mellow struggle for psychedelic drug access. First time, Representative Alex, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez introduced legislation on psychedelic drugs, 
proposal came with an unwanted side effect. Senior Democrat laughed in her face. She recalled literally mocking it. The amendment, which was attached to a large-scale spending bill, failed by a 331 to 91 vote. It was a frustrating experience for the congresswoman, only six months into the job. It was 2019, not 1969, and there was evidence that drugs such as psilocybin and MDA, MDMA might offer therapeutic benefits to those suffering from depression, traumatic stress disorder, and addiction. Although she wasn't opposed to legalizing such drugs to some degree, her bill wasn't even about that. Simply about removing federal barriers that scientists said made it harder to study the therapeutic effect of psychedelics. Namely, ending a long-standing federal policy prohibiting the government from spending public money on any activity that promotes the legalization of certain drugs. Four years later, the idea isn't seen as quite so funny. Shift in attitude about psychedelics on Capitol Hill since Ocasio-Cortez first introduced her bill is, in a way, reflective of the New York Democrats' experience in Congress. The parable of shifting perceptions, things eventually get taken seriously in in days of that first vote, Ocasio-Cortez said her colleagues were bombarded with calls from constituents, including military veterans and victims of sexual abuse, in support of the legislation. She said the same members who were laughing about the bill were apologizing to her for not fully understanding it. Next time Ocasio-Cortez offered a psychedelics amendment in 2021, the number of people who voted for it jumped from 91 to 140. And last year, both Ocasio-Cortez and Representative Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas, House amendments on studying psychedelics, though neither made it out of the Senate. There aren't a lot of issues that Crenshaw, a conservative former Navy SEAL, and Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic Socialist former bartender, agree on. Psychedelics is a rare topic that fires up grassroots activists and big money investors. So far, proved difficult to pass any bills related to psychedelics. This is not because of any organization, but more because of fear of change of something new and fear of the drug war. Orders of psychedelic drug le le legislation are banking on the fact that these drugs have proved to have a specific quality to them, namely that they offer something for all sorts of constituencies. Coalition working on chipping away at issues in Congress includes not just improbable allies such as Ocasio-Cortez and Crenshaw, but also an eclectic group of activists and lobbyists, veterans and survivors who travel to the Hill in hopes of people opening minds. Psychedelics had a really bad rep with, rep, uh, with Timothy Leary and the turn-in on dropout or whatever the hell that phrase was Bergman said I believe there is a place and a need for better therapies and better therapists in our world I don't partake uh, said Representative Louis J. Correa a Democrat from California I like vodka martinez that is what works for me he said he used to smoke cannabis in junior high often while watching Reefer Madness on, friend, uh, on VHS with friends for a laugh he became vocally anti-drug as he got older and saw the destruction that drugs alcohol could cause the Congressman grew up in an alcoholic family and saw firsthand how messed up that environment could be. He also saw drugs such as heroin devastate the lives of Vietnam War veterans. Grow up with this stuff happening and it calibrates your mind to a certain mindset. Though it ended up being a veterans community that helped Korea change his mindset, after being elected to a California State Senate, he kept hearing from members of the military who were having a difficult time getting medical marijuana and how the medical marijuana was basically helping these guys, right? to Crenshaw, Crenshaw says he's a Marine. Uh, he talked to a Marine that tried to kill himself four times. Mr. Crenshaw that nothing helped him at all until he got himself into a psychedelic treatment program with MDMA. How this man was an advocate for psychedelic medicine. Or he looked into the issue, the more signs appeared. He started hearing from more friends who had positive experiences with psychedelics or the desire to try them. He heard from frustrated members of the military who could drink themselves silly and be prescribed, be prescribed all sorts of pharmaceuticals but could not even take CBD alone, Ibogaine, or MDMA. 
nearly 17 veterans dying by suicide each day, according to Veterans Affairs. Some clinical trials showing promise that psychedelics could offer a meaningful reduction in symptoms of PTSD. Shaw decided he would do his part to help change the perception on drugs. Not even on the marijuana bandwagon, Crenshaw said. He has come to see psychedelic treatments as chemo for your brain for your demons. On June 14th, Crenshaw and Ocasio-Cortez have launched another bill for psychedelics to treat PTSD and traumatic brain injuries for active duty service members. Last week, the coalition received news that it was poised for a bipartisan win in the Republican-controlled House and good news that it may, in fact, pass the Senate. Anything that advances empirical research and healing, we are totally supportive of. America, usually the only way to make change is incremental change. Legislation does not legalize psychedelics or even make them readily available as medicines. It makes the drugs a little easier to study and easier to understand. That's often how views soften and moods change in Washington. Microdose at a time, suddenly everything looks different. Oh, really, uh, I have a real quick edit editorial before I hand this off. First off, Tim Leary demonization that they talked about. Tune in, turn on drop out wasn't actually the end it got cut short by the news media and people seeking to demonize timothy leary what he was talking about was same thing we were talking about in that portugal study is dropping tuning into the fact that our current system isn't working dropping out of our current system in hopes of creating a new system and dropping out only meant dropping back into a local mode in order to really start local power centers and 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 force positive change also tim leary ran against ronald reagan in the 70s for governor got, uh, reagan set him up on a weed bust and got him 10 years in Folsom prison because Leary was actually polling that he was going to beat Reagan on the platform of legalizing cannabis and using the tax money to pay for road improvement in schools, right? Um, next, that one representative talks about how he saw people with an alcohol problem and, and heroin uh, not performing well, and then he just scaffolded that onto, onto cannabis and psychedelics, and that's a big problem with a lot of people. They get into alcohol, meth, and hard drugs, they put every other drug in that category, and all of a sudden, all of these drugs are verboten, right? And now, one of the things that this 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 bill really points to is the fact that we need to help our veterans, especially those with traumatic brain injury and PTSD, first off with therapy and, and psychedelics to help them integrate back into our community. Secondly, by closing all these overseas military bases and stopping this forever war for other people's resources so that we don't have to end up wholesale fixing all of these people that are committing suicide on the daily involved in domestic abuse getting locked up and just unable to reintegrate into our society i think this is a real fruitful uh off point for discussion i'm really interested to hear what you all have to say and this is matthew st germain for the high nine news on a monday oh boy oh boy oh boy some real bipartisanship going on matthew st germain Yes, sir, and I, I appreciate that because it shows that, you know, really when we start to br build bridges and find commonality, what we find is actually much more alike than we are different. And, and that's the only way we're really going to get to change is by finding things that we can agree on and working towards them. Mm. Very, very true. What do you think about this, Gretchen? Dan Crenshaw, AOC? Well, it doesn't surprise me um, because, honestly, they as – Washingtonians go they are of the younger generation uh, and so I think they would be more willing to work with each other um, and to cross party lines to get something like this done that doesn't shock me a lot of courage I think she takes a lot of beating from from her colleagues and she's always sticking her neck out there and really like trying to push the needle forward so Interesting, 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 interesting. 
And um, St. Germain, I wasn't clear from your story. What exactly would this bill do? So the bill is just trying to make it easier to actually study psychedelics mm -hmm. and with a focus on active duty service members. Because of psychedelics being Schedule 1, it's very difficult, although it is possible, it's incredibly difficult. It's a very difficult process to get these things okayed by the FDA and the DE for study. Mm -hmm. Rico, are you with us? Rico, I, hear, I see you talking, but we don't hear you. I can hear Rico. I can hear him. Yeah. Hear me? Oh, now I hear him. All right. I just, I just Rico, like big, ups, big ups to Dan Crenshaw oh, for bucking the trend and working with AOC and not yeah. listening to all that bullshit. No. Okay. Well, I still think she's an idiot on most issues. So, <laughs> where do you want me to go with that? <laughs> I mean, that's, I, mean I, I think, but I think there are places where yes, people can cross the aisle, and I think when it comes to uh, mental health and especially our veterans. I think that lawmakers from both sides are willing to, that's a bridge they're willing to cross. I think you will see this pass. I, I don't see any reason why it would not. It would be great for all of us. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, Rico, Rico, are you ready? Are, are you with us? You ready to go go into your story, oh, good. Rico? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. You sound great now. Now I can hear you. We're going to go into the dope dad. Yeah. Yeah, we hear you. We hear you. Are you all right over there? He's having technical difficulties. I hear him. We can all hear him, Rico. Just do your damn story. Yeah, Rico. Rico, just do your story, Rico. We hear you. I'll just do my damn story. There we go. Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to AOC too. AOC for president, Jason. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. That'd be the worst thing anyone ever voted for. <sighs> Speaking of AOC, we're going out to New York City, kind of for my story. So put another big win on the board for Gretchen Gailey's favorite Democrat governor, Kathy Hochul. This weekend is Long Island's first recreational dispensary opened up Saturday in East Farmingdale. Per the article, a line of prospective customers was formed outside Strain Stars, excited to be the first to make a purchase. Family-owned business is the 19th cannabis dispensary to open in New York, a far cry from Hochul's projected 20 per month. But it's another open, and that's a good thing, right? The state legalized recreational consumption back in 2021, but only four towns in Long Island have chosen to permit for retail. Congrats to Strain Stars and the Long Island community on the opening. But I'm wondering, uh, is this going to uh, uh, make a crack in the um, the trap? I don't know. <laughs> Open it up to y'all, man. This is a quick one for me. Uh, I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. What do you think about this one, uh, Jason? I mean, I Long, uh, Long Island, but um, 19, 19, 19. Shout out, to, shout out to this. We have we have a video from uh, our, our friend. Our friend was at this uh, Golden State Bananas. Uh, we we have, we have a video, and and then they had a pretty massive line going on. We got this video going, Adam. Oh, he's saying wait a he's saying wait a second. But, anyways, shout out to New York. Shout out to these guys. Yeah, what's that, Gretchen? Shout out. What? I didn't say a damn thing. Oh. I think Jason Beck, you're the one with the audio issues here. I, <laughs> I may I may I may be. It's, it's possible. I'm hearing all kinds of stuff in my headphones today. 
I, I think that, you know, everyone is disappointed without how New York is rolling out, but it's rolling out. It's taken longer, but they're get they're trying. They're, they're working trying. On it. And I you can't expect it to be perfect. I'm sorry. We haven't seen any perfect rollout. So I don't know why everyone thought New York was gonna do this amazing job. I think it's because they hyped it up and said they were gonna do such an amazing job and they weren't actually realistic with their with their own expectations, Gretchen. I think that's right. what people yeah, are expecting. Everyone it. says they're gonna do an amazing no one comes out and says we're gonna do a shitty job opening our market. <laughs> well, you know what? They they could have came out and just said, Hey, you know what? It's gonna be a slow rollout and we're gonna do the best job that we can to expedite it as much as possible. They could have just said that and they would have saved a lot of face. But they well, were they really would have saved bragged. a lot of face if they had actually raised some money for all those card licenses that they gave out first. Oh, all those curd licenses. Yeah, that curds and ways. They got mm-hmm. nothing. Nothing in their way. Amen. No, oh, there it is. There's the video right there. Lines on lines on lines at Strain Stars. Long Island's only Strain Stars. Long Long Island's only place that you can buy adult use cannabis legally in the state of New York. On Long well, Island. I also think it's heartening <laughs> to see that there are long lines. Long lines is a good thing. This means the public is interested. They want to try and adopt uh, a regulated market. You um, think so? I think those are just all people that are sure. all just mad at their normal dealer. And they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go check it out so I can check this place out and see what's up. And then realize that all the products in there are boof and terrible. And then I'm just going to go back to my regular dealer. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I agree with that, Jason Beck, but you don't have to agree with it, Gretchen. I think hey man, I think one good, thing New York has done extremely well is getting people into these shops to go shopping. I think uh, yes, we hate the fifteen hundred, uh, you know, pop up stores that are out there, but do we hate are them going really? in them and buying them? No, them. I'm saying people are using them. I'm like everyone's like, all right, trapped. I'll buy indoors, cool. And I think that's the first step to getting people to adopt a legal market. They don't want to hype that from a PR standpoint, but I think that's one thing New York has done right. I mean, I like I like what Guap says. He says, "All I see is Chad's wearing jeans and flip flops." Well, it's Long Island. <laughs> what do you expect, Guap? <laughs> oh, dude, don't dis European American culture, you guys. <laughs> I, I just think I, I think somebody should just you know just bite the bullet and just make just make a Chad oh. brand. Just come out with a Chad <laughs> brand, Chad weed, just and fully just embrace that, it. But. Just own I, I can't do cargo shorts, it. dude. You can't put anything in those pockets. They make your shorts fall off. That's why you're you supposed got, uh, to wear a belt, Matthew. You don't have enough of a butt there, Matthew St. Germain. Uh, you're wrong, dude. You are wrong. <laughs> I'd I just about get up and show it to you, dude. I'm actually known for my fucking beautiful ass. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wear a belt next time. Wear a belt. That's all we have to say today, just to wear a belt. Whatever wear you do, <laughs> yeah, wear a belt. It's safer that way. Wear a yeah. belt and say what you felt. Yeah, it'll save you from the drop downs. Mm. I guess, I guess. But you know, I oh, think uh, a thing all of us can do on this and, Monday um, is like take a look around, take a look around at your community, see if it's working or not, and if it if it is working, great. Like, help us with some some tips and tricks on how to make our communities work. It's not working. Let's not react with with hostility and fear as we have, but let's like really open our eyes, open our minds, and open our hearts come together to just admit to ourselves it's not working and find a new way forward and open up them spots for licenses kathy hochel mm-hmm. i'm just saying they've issued up. lots uh, of licenses rico frankly they're 20 a month like she said initially right i'm not saying 20 months they've issued a, a shit ton of licenses they just no one has any money to actually open their doors Oh, that's what's going on? That's, that's, yeah. 
I, the word I on the streets? They've issued close to 100 licenses. I'm not crazy. Look it up. <laughs> that, the the bulk of them are million, all card uh, licenses that don't well, have any money to open the doors. Well, and then I'm the pretty, other ones are sure all that... stuck in purgatory with Dazney and trying to figure that whole mess out. It's a whole regulatory nightmare, but the issues have been, li- have been uh, the licenses have been put out. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the, the lawyers are looking over that paperwork on that $150 million loan that they, <laughs> that they got sitting on their desk right now that was supposed to be given to them in the first place. So bait and switch, bait and switch, bait and switch. And it was never going to happen uh, in the first place. So big shout out to uh, uh, the, the biggest winner in all of New York cannabis, Ruben McDaniel. Oh, is he not? Note. Oh, man. Rico, is he you, not? Yeah, Rico, you got this? You got this, Rico? You with I us? I got it, man. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's close it out. Thank you all for joining us for today's episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Crack a dawn over in Hawaii. Big shout out to the super fans showing love, getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, cloud media partners, House of Fuego, Vortex, all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding us all the way down on other spots, making sure that we're coming through clean. To the haters out there, we love you so much. And you know what? Get your Tevas on and make your way out to Long Island. <laughs> Got some great <laughs> cannabis waiting for you out there. <laughs> Always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why we show up every day to read these headlines. Thank you, too. It is Monday. July 10th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with today's top headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Mandy Tingler, you got the outro today. What you got for us? Carmen Sacramento. It's Monday. We've got a nice, bright week ahead of us. Get it. Whoop.